Well, uh, good evening, and it's a little after 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. I'm a little under the weather, but <laughs> me and Victor Martinez, I think, can commiserate. What a great uh, Detroit Tiger and Cleveland Indian, Victor Martinez. Has been over the years, so hopefully we'll he'll get better. Anyway, the circus of Donald Trump's presidency and the continuing ignorance is just mind-boggling. Uh, let's give him a brain damage award for the Cuba policy. I don't get that. This is long. This was long overdue. The ending of sanctions and the opening up of commerce to cuba Castro. i think 73 percent of americans are fully in favor of normalized relations with cuba yeah it's a lovely place people would like to go there and visit and the policy really seems to be working but i think once again with trump it's this sort of obsession with undoing obama it's all i mean you can almost go down a list of obama's Policy accomplishments, and Trump will try and reverse them at one point or another. He still seems really bitter over that sort of offhanded quip of Obama's that, uh, oh, I heard he was going to run as a Republican. <laughs> no, he's running as a joke. But uh, like uh, Nixon's famous, uh, you you won't have Dick Nixon to kick around anymore. Trump will always be a joke. He will always be a joke because he's just so amateurish at everything he does. Uh, that cabinet session last week with <laughs> the entire cabinet uh, praising Donald Trump right he, out of the Manchurian candidate. He needs a brain damage award for that, too. I mean, who honestly thinks that, you know what will convince people that everything's great and that I'm the best is if everybody says it out loud right in front of me while I purse my lips out and nod smugly. Uh what an awkward, awkward moment. Well, it was, and I thought one of the most interesting cabinet members, because he's one of the few rational ones, was Mattis, who was off to Trump's left, and when Mattis didn't kind of go along with the with the show... It seemed scripted. I mean, it really, like, maybe they wrote their own lines, but it, it felt like everyone was reading from grand and glorious leader prepared statements yeah it was out of north korea i mean mike pence saying the greatest privilege of my life <laughs> like what on earth it's a blessing said reince priebus Great, to crazy. serve your magnanimity uh, yeah I mean, mattis came the closest to doing what you would want a, an adult to do and i mean let's face it many of us have been in staff meetings where you know that the chief officer presiding over the meeting is of a certain disposition where you have to couch things carefully to not offend them or to cater to them or whatever. But to see, I mean, these are, whether you agree with their politics or not, to see these accomplished adults, yeah, uh, some of whom are worth millions of dollars. Billions. <laughs> billions. Bow and scrape and stroke the ego of this sad and twisted man. Uh, you wanted somebody to do a little bit further than Mattis and say, look, I'm the secretary of blah, blah, blah. Can we 
get down to work. This is a meeting. Right. I, I got a lot on my plate. Sure. Let's proceed with the work. What are we here for? Well, the thing that was amazing was Trump actually sort of scowled at Mattis. And, of course, it's bizarre, in my opinion, the way Mattis Tillerson and uh, Nikki Haley, the U.N. ambassador, have frequently made public statements that are in complete contradiction of Trump's policy statements. Well, Trump has signed off officially on Afghanistan now. He's like, well, I'm, you know, yeah. Secretary of Defense is in charge of that. So I guess at the moment we don't really have civilian control over the military. Well, and as Thomas Ricks pointed— As much as, you know, Mattis is probably the most trustable guy yeah. in that room. And uh, as Thomas Ricks pointed out in an interview, you know, Trump is an ignorant man who's never read Mattis's war plan. <laughs> Uh, there are reports that Trump has never even read a book in his life, which I can... I think that's quite clear. ...believe. It's, uh, ah, it's, it's, it's really frustrating. And, of course, just a couple of weeks ago, I don't care as much about uh, withdrawing from the climate uh, agreement because it wasn't a treaty uh, because I think the world is moving on anyway and certainly... States in America are moving on, and uh, Trump has yet to prove that global warming is a Chinese hoax. In fact, we just— The rest of the world doesn't seem to think so. No, and, and I just think that it once again makes America kind of a pariah, a pariah state that uh, people are not going to uh, kowtow to the way they used to. And I think the only— <laughs> world leader that's having a worse year than Donald Trump is Theresa May. <laughs> Man, I don't know what's going on in Great Britain, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to even pay attention to the news over there anymore. Um, well, they had a huge youth turnout in the vote. Yeah. And of course, a lot of that is Brexit related. Well, she's the second consecutive prime minister, conservative prime minister, that's foolishly called an election early mm. for no good reason, and then taking a drubbing um, in the process. And um, as for all of the academic sort of <laughs> bizarreness uh, regarding executive privilege and Jeff Sessions's strange appearance before Congress last week, Grinning like the cat what ate the cream. Yeah, well, That's watching they say down south. Watching him testify, I realized that he may be the offspring of Yoda. <laughs> I saw a little John Tower in him there with the ears yeah. and the grin. And I don't know whether he's going to survive or not. <clears throat> Trump is furious uh, that he recused himself. And then, of course, he ended up participating in the essential bureaucratic firing of Comey who, of course, appeared recently himself. Meanwhile, the investigation goes on. But I'm not a big uh, believer that this is going to yield any impeachment, resignation, or any sort of conclusion that there was collusion. But well, I it, it is likely to expose some interesting details about Trump's finances. Yeah, and, of course, Kushner is another X factor at this point. Uh, we still don't know why Michael Flynn was hired as national security advisor when Trump had been warned uh, by President Obama himself that this guy was had problems. Um, 
I don't know how extensive and what Trump knew and when he knew it, but uh, I don't think Trump has ever explained why Michael Flynn was hired. Uh, we know that they came up with a cover story about why he was fired or allowed to resign, but I have always maintained that the part of the real cover-up here was the firing of Sally Yates. Um, yeah, that's going to be a crucial factor to closely examine. Yeah, well, she had informed Trump on the 26th that Flynn was a security risk and that he basically was under investigation. I think it's strange, not a, you know, there's the old saying, I don't believe in coincidences. But I think it's bizarre that uh, Trump had Comey into his White House uh, literally two hours after he issued the travel ban uh, to talk about loyalty. <laughs> and, of course, Comey's testimony speaks for itself. Um so who knows where that's ever going to go. But uh, meanwhile, well, Trump's of, destroying himself. Yeah, at the end of last week, he starts attacking Mueller and yeah. Rosenstein. And uh, I think going to Camp David uh, was probably the smartest thing he's done in a little bit because he sort of must have left the phone behind or any weekend <laughs> tweets and uh, other things sort of roll into the front pages of the paper. But at some point... The Republican Party is going to have to address Trump's disinclination to take any of the Russia stuff seriously, because as soon as he hears the word Russia, he flinches. Goes, ah, there was no collusion. There was no collusion. There may not have been direct and immediate collusion. Right. That's what investigators are looking for to see if there is. And if there isn't, that will be their finding. But all experts seem to agree that there was Russian meddling. There was meddling and, and the hacking. Hacking. And so Trump has to address that. And, of course, unfortunately, the media doesn't want to admit the real story, which was the sort of overuse of Julian Assange's WikiLeaks regarding Hillary Clinton's emails and all this stuff and the way these leaks were timed at certain points when Trump, uh, Trump's campaign was in trouble. Uh, for instance, one classic example was Trump got heavily involved in the so-called Hollywood video that we don't need to go over, other than to note that Trump has not filed a lawsuit <laughs> claiming the women were lying. Uh, apparently, some p advisors have convinced him that that's not <laughs> a good direction to go in. Uh, but there were certainly timed WikiLeaks and the media's obsession with this somewhat overblown Benghazi email Hillary Clinton scandal. God, but, how long did that probe go on? Well, it went on for two and a half years, three years. In fact, it cost more than the investigations into 9-11, um, the Kennedy assassination, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> we can go on and on. Uh, I think, by the way, it's one of the reasons that Mike Rogers here from Michigan, who was chairman of the House Intelligence Committee in 2014, uh, quit Congress. I think you see a little bit of that with Jason Chaffetz and why he's resigning. Chaffetz was one of the few Republicans to denounce Trump back in July of uh, 2016 when he encouraged the Russians to, quote, Find the missing emails. Mm. Um, 
the chronology on this is quite clear. The editorial from the New York Times the day after this event said, On Wednesday, Mr. Trump crossed a new line by practically inviting Russia as an increasingly aggressive American adversary to interfere in the presidential election by cyber-spying on Hillary Clinton's email correspondence when she was Secretary of State. Quote, Russia, if you are listening, I hope you are able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing, Mr. Trump told a news conference. This was during the Democratic National Convention, and just a week before, I mean a month before, it's quite fascinating that I was able to track the original origin of this whole story down, says Russian hackers penetrated DNC files, including Trump dossier. Remember that? Mm -hmm. So this has been known as a kind of, uh, this um, article, by the way, is dated June 15th of uh, last year and was written by uh, David Sanger and Nick Koran Saniti, David Sanger being probably the New York Times' chief Washington um, correspondent uh, reporter on all that. He appears on television quite a bit. This goes into the details of some of these goofy things about Fancy Bear and Guccifer and, uh, of course, mentions the Ukraine, which... uh, Paul Manafort and Michael Flynn have clearly had some connections. There we have it. And, of course, last week we have a shooting at a base congressional baseball practice. Um, obviously, no American um, can condone what happened on that particular day. But once again, I have to call into question some of the dangling information that's left out there unconfirmed, but then becomes part of the narrative. Uh, The gentleman in question uh, had his own political beliefs, but I don't think they've proven that he was a, quote, Sanders volunteer. He seems to have been a Sanders volunteer in his own mind. Nobody can remember him, but it's fascinating that this now is part of the narrative involving this man. Um, Clearly a disturbed individual, (laughs) Um, and uh, obviously unaware that um, the number three man in the House of Representatives would actually have an armed bodyguard Contingent, contingent there. Probably without that, there would have certainly been uh, loss of life. But let's remember that these are the same congressmen, some of the victims even, who when um, the shooting occurred at the school with 26-year-old and 7-year-old children, eight teachers being assassinated by a deranged individual, We've always been a little uh, unclear about his political beliefs. I don't know that he had any. But uh, they did nothing in response to 
the shootings. Well, in fact, the response to this baseball game shooting is to defend their position and saying, well, we want to pressure the District of Columbia to allow people to carry weapons. Now, D.C. once had it back in the 80s, one of the highest crime rates of any city sure. in the country. So I think the people who live there and those who work in local government there would not like to see a return to the wild, wild west, which the Republicans take as their interpretation of the Second Amendment is that everybody should be free to initiate or respond to a gunfight. Right. A shootout. At any moment. At any moment, yeah. So if you're playing second base and you have a holster on, your fielding range is going to be impaired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-oh, he's going to steal third base and shoot it. But, I mean, uh, this is just ridiculous hyperbole from uh, Representative Tom Garrett of Virginia who said uh, about the fact that there was an armed guard uh, there. Had there not been a member of House leadership present, there would have been no police present, and it would have become the largest act of political terrorism in years, if not ever. Even if that scenario had unfolded in the most devastating way, I think 9-11 might still trump that as yeah. the most... Uh, the largest act of political uh, terrorism in recent years. Or even Oklahoma City. Right. But I mean, that, that event has been conveniently uh, sort of erased from America's memory banks. In and recent... don't forget the daycare center that was right there at Ground Zero at the Oklahoma City. Yeah. Bombing, yeah. So. Children, uh, dozens of children, I think. But, you know, Trump told the NRA, you know, you came through big for me and I'm going to come through big for you. Yeah. And that's how it works. It's it's, you know, the legislation that you can buy or that you can prevent with your money. And let's face it, the NRA as role in the 2016 election is is uh, beyond dispute. Um, it's quite clear that some of these marginal uh counties in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, uh, that there are many, many voters where the Second Amendment is the number one issue in their minds. And, uh, I think the NRA hated Hillary more than they did Obama, too. Yeah, oh, so yeah. I think they were really you know, beating the bushes on that one. She was not only um, in favor of some rational gun control, she was a female to boot. Um, so... Yeah, you know, I'm glad that the baseball game went on. Uh, I'm actually a big baseball fan, and I think that it is wonderful that Congress actually has continued this Well, especially in an event. era where the hostility between parties is so high. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about that. Joe Biden did an interview last week where he talked about the decline in the degree of collegiality sure. across the aisle. And uh, it's nice to do these things where you can, like, have the human touch and go, oh, hey, you know, we beat you guys this year and next year maybe you'll beat us or whatever. Uh, it's fun to do these things, but uh, I don't know. There seems to be uh, not much else. Yeah, it's one of the last <laughs> bipartisan congressional sort of get-togethers. I mean, they've always pointed out in recent years that one of the big changes in Washington in the last 20 years is congressmen don't dine together and go out and have drinks together and talk about the real issues uh, that, that it, it, you know, confront America rather than all of this 
phony stuff. Or uh, secretly crafting legislation in the dark without letting anybody see any details sure. and hoping to ram it through because the first attempt to ram through a rollback of uh, Affordable uh, Care Act uh, was so miserably received that uh, maybe one that we do in complete secret will have a better chance. Yeah, well, that's Mitch McConnell for you. He's one of the most devious politicos of our generation and certainly one of the most dishonest. I was always shocked at his ability to get away with the phrase Obama's war on coal. Dude, there's been no war on coal by Barack Obama. Coal has been fading as part of America's energy production for years as a percentage of it. Uh, Yes, we need some coal production. There's no question about it. I highly recommend uh, for listeners out there or anybody uh, to just look at a World Almanac to document the decline of coal in America and why it's declined. Um, It's declined for economic reasons. And the notion that Trump is going to bring back coal jobs is one of those heinous campaign promises that can't be kept. Uh, despite his, I don't know, he's trying to fish out some plant in Pennsylvania that's restored some coal production. He's keeping his promises, which is part of Mitch Mitch McConnell's new (laughs) uh, justification for why they're doing uh, the repeal of Obamacare in secret. Um, All of other, all of, Trump's other promises have pretty much not been kept. And and who knows? Maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe it's going to be great legislation. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just just maybe. Donald Trump has all sorts of tweets uh, reassuring the American people it's going to be great. He's like Tony the Tiger. (laughs) Just similar patina of orange. (laughs) Yeah. Trump gets oranger and oranger as the year goes on. Uh... Wow. Um, but what what's next? I have no idea. Um, well, I think Dennis Rodman is still in Korea, so uh, maybe there can be a... Uh, maybe he's uh, sitting there and reading the copy of Art of the Deal that he presented to Kim Jong-un out loud yeah. uh, to him. Well, it's sad to report, by the way, that the American returned in a coma apparently passed away today, but... I think North Korea had a had a good sense that he was on his. Uh... Yeah, they couldn't have waited till the last minute any <laughs> any more precisely, could they? I mean, he, he's returned in order to have time to die at home. Yeah, that's incredible timing. Incredible, and he's been in a coma for a year, quite some time. It's tragic. And by the way, you know, don't go to. I was going to say this. This is a reminder to all: do not go. To North Korea. A, there's nothing to do there. Nothing to do. B, you might just end up in prison and in a coma. And, you know, you're not going to be able to convert North Korea to religion or get rid of their totalitarian ideology or any of it. It's just a hopeless situation for the United States. And I wish that Trump would allow the South Koreans to deal with the North Korean problem. They are far more... There, there was some progress Indeed there uh, was. 20 years ago uh, when, when, when they had a more liberal uh, 
Kim Day, I think his name was uh, Kim Day. Nah, I forget his whole name, but he, he had a direct policy of warming up relations. Those relations began to improve a Clinton bit. Clinton was sort of, uh, you know, involved, involved in, that, in yeah. that process. And um, I think that that's indicative of what's so uh, foolish about Trump's new uh, desire to restore the embargo on Cuba. Well, exactly, uh, because uh, one of the things that he states as a reason is they need to uh, improve their track record on human rights. This is a different Cuba than it was even 10 years ago. Sure. Uh, and furthermore, um, that's a kind of a hard thing to say when uh, case after case of uh, police officers uh, charged with the needless shooting of black Americans are either thrown out of court or mm -hmm. found not guilty, uh, but then are fired by the department. Um, it's very easy for Cuba to say, hmm, human rights, eh? Yeah. Gee willikers. How, how, uh, how's it looking back home? Well, that's the thing. It's a sort of a hypocritical <laughs> double standard. And uh, America's human rights here at home are, leave quite a bit to be desired, uh, the new... Mitch McConnell health care bill. Yeah. Maybe. There's some human rights violations. Maybe may, may he called into question um, applesauce. <laughs> That's a quote from Justice Scalia, his most memorable. Indeed. <laughs> and as for the intrigue in the Trump White House, reading between the lines, I can kind of see that there is something going on here. I think that Priebus and Pence have allied themselves <laughs> in leaking. I think that the leaking is coming all over Washington. I don't think this is just people in the intelligence agencies. Yeah, I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. There's multiple. I think Bannon's a leaker. Yeah. I think Kushner's been a leaker. I think that Bannon and Miller are battling Priebus and Pence within the White House. And uh, some of these other issues are all diversionary tactics. Uh, we've seen so many trial balloons from Donald Trump. I'm starting to wonder if Washington has any balloons left. <laughs> or lawyers, because, uh, you know, Pence is lawyered up. Some of the lawyers are lawyering yeah. up. And, uh, of course, over the weekend, uh, one of Trump's lawyers, he's got a civil lawyer, who apparently has been giving advice uh, to uh, others in the White House beyond his capacity to do so. Um, but uh, one of Trump's lawyers over the weekend on all the Saturday, Sunday morning chat shows was saying, no, what the president tweeted on Friday, no, he's not under inquiry. Uh, forget about that tweet, basically. Well, there's always the amusing anecdote from Watergate when G. Gordon Letty became somebody's, quote, lawyer. <laughs> he said, give me a quarter to one of the low-level people that was uh, getting uh, basically rung through the ringer um, who had, didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say. And Liddy said, "You're, I'm your lawyer now. Thanks for the quarter. Here's the quarterback. What we say remains confidential. Oh, well, that's <laughs> a nice little piece of chicanery. <laughs> that's what we call... <clears throat> trickery beyond belief and i think equivocation is also a pretty accurate term there but um speaking of uh g gordon liddy and like the smart guy in the room with the the great idea 
Newt Gingrich, of course, reemerges as a sage uh, defender of uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, he's uh, always reassuring. Saying over the weekend, <laughs> uh, accusing Mr. Mueller, of course, who a month ago he was had nothing but praise for, uh, saying uh, Gingrich said this about Mueller. He is, quote, the tip of a deep state spear aimed at destroying the Trump presidency. Well, this is a Fox News line. This is Sean Hannity's big sure. thing. The deep state. It's a conspiracy within that we'll never be able to root out. It's this sort of bizarre animation of really at core paranoid fantasy. Yeah. You know, and it's on the left and on the right to assume that the CIA, man, they know everything. They don't, they don't know everything. No. They know a lot. They're processing a lot. They're investigating a bunch of things, some of which they have no business investigating. They're manipulating some things. They're not manipulating others. But to assign them with this sort of divine omnipotence is, is really a sign of heightened paranoia. And if Gingrich were so smart, why isn't he something other than somebody's tool? Yeah, well. Shouldn't he be like his own thing? Shouldn't he be an elder statesman by now? If he's really that smart. Well, he was such a player, as they say in the in the Bill Clinton Monica Lewinsky saga, that it was rather amusing to see him being forced to resign oh. <laughs> as a result of hypocrisy and other assorted uh, Newt Gingrich uh, shenanigans. You know, I, I don't want to blame Newt Gingrich for everything, but he certainly started a lot of this. Um, partisan nonsense that's been going on the for hostility years. level yeah yeah the hostility level the you know the over the charges that are cannot be substantiated and yeah. the use of threats i mean he was the guy who threatened to shut down the government and then did so and yeah. found out that oh that wasn't a good idea you know trump should be somewhat popular if you look at economic numbers gasoline prices are relatively low uh, I think it's interesting, by the way, over the weekend or just a couple of days ago, that Iran um, attacked ISIS with gr gr ground-to-surface missiles. Right. Well, they suffered an attack yeah. uh, themselves. In retaliation right. for an event in Tehran a couple of weeks ago. Which they blame the Saudis for, by the way, who I think have been emboldened by Trump's trip there. Yeah, and, and I think that the Middle East remains a <laughs> incredibly murky, complicated situation. Obviously, the United States is going to kowtow to the Saudis no matter what. But, uh, you know, recent reports, the jobless rate is part of the cyclical recovery that started under Barack Obama. Uh, lowest in 16 years, but some dark clouds on the horizon. It's interesting to note from the last uh, report, it says only twice in the last eight months, has the 200,000 figure in job uh, creation been reached? The average over the last three has been 121,000. Of course, the 